What's up, everybody? Welcome into a delayed edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. This show is presented by Blue Wire Podcast. As you know, it is Tuesday, January 3rd. Had a little bit of a long night last night, as I am your host, Jake Burns. Did not get a chance to record last night or this morning as I was working throughout the day. So you're hearing this podcast on Tuesday night. We'll still get you a Wednesday, hopefully relatively early episode as well. Went to see a movie. My good friend, uh, former OBR colleague Stephen Thomas is in called Babylon. He is um, at the very end of a three-hour movie that is unique and different. I want to talk more about it later in the week because I think I want to see it again. Really good movie, um, and it's really cool to see Steven in the in the movie. But then, uh, obviously, last night was filled with when I got home, all the Demar Hamlin stuff, which we'll talk to. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk to our guest today, Jared Mueller, about that here in just a little bit. But yeah, a, lo- a lot of different things going on. Apologies, this is coming out late, and hopefully, whenever you're listening to this. This episode catches you well, and um, yeah, it's a, it's coming off of a Browns 24-10 win. A lot of good vibes after that win, uh, which at halftime, I think, I think Jared, as I welcome you in, I would say halftime of that game and the vibes around the team at halftime of that game versus the end of the game, maybe the single biggest switch from halftime to end of the game. And I, I think that, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but there were real concerned, what is going on type of vibes, because you got to think, they had thrown for 23 passing yards. They'd blown, I think at that point, they'd blown two interceptions and a fourth down stop out near midfield, had only put up three points. And the uh, the, the commanders were coming off of a 21-play, 96-yard drive, which I believe, if I read correctly, is the single longest touchdown drive for, uh, uh, for number of plays since the 90s. It's It was a historic drive. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that second half kind of let everybody – breathe a little bit because I think it had a chance to get really, uh, you know, I don't full of animosity. Right. You know, so that, that part wouldn't have been cool, man. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I remember just a simple tweet saying Watson doesn't look good. The offensive line's not blocking in receivers aren't getting separation. Like besides that, everything was going great. Right. And so obviously the opponent always matters. The Washington has a really good defensive line. They were down a bunch of players in the secondary uh, which kind of opens some things up in the second half, but you're exactly right. That flip from, obviously, I know you wrote it up, but kind of the joke of he threw a pass to Jack Conklin kind of deal mm-hmm. uh, after running around for 45 seconds or whatever it was, um, which is, again, I made jokes as well because it's just funny. He threw, they were terrible, and he just threw to an offensive lineman to all of a sudden looking like an explosive team, um, where route combinations were just working. People were open. He was hitting people. He was moving around in the pocket. Uh, he was even running the ball a little bit. So yeah, a lot of Jekyll and Hyde there, which I think compared to just bad, right? He hasn't played very good most of the time. This was a more um, consistent effort in the second half, really giving us hope for what full games can look like going into next year and maybe hopefully even in week 18. Yeah, let's let's hit on that. Um... Because you know, I, I think the defensive stuff, yeah, they had the one bad drive, but they played they played pretty well. They dominated, I thought, up front for the most part. They did give up a hundred over a hundred rushing yards, but only a three point six and three point three yards carry for Robinson and Williams in that game. It's not like they were, you know. I think the Browns were quite fine with them running the football thirty one times for that result. And secondary wise, I mean, the, the Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz at this point. He's just. He's just sort of a lost cause. I mean, how many times can you flip it over someone's head in the flat or dirt a ball? And his downfield choices were interesting to say the least. So 
you, again, another one where the EPA will come out strong in the Browns' defense's favor. But, but when you look at it, you're like, my goodness, this other team's not even giving themselves a chance. I mean, imagine having – I'm drooling over Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, three wide receiver Ooh. group, and this is this is the result they're getting. So I understand why Commanders fans are frustrated. But to flip back to what you just said, talking about Deshaun Watson, now the, 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 the polar opposites of the halves – I think I've been well covered at this point. I, I'm going to ch- talk about it on Chalk Talk here in about an hour, two hours, where I'm going to break down why his pass grade was in the 50s. In the first half, he did struggle. Like As the Browns struggled, he struggled. He missed some throws. He missed some reads. He was as much a part of the first half struggles as the offensive line was. But you referenced just a second ago, Jared, and I kind of tweeted about it during the game and after the game, and we want to see glimpses like, what is this going to look like when Watson's really comfortable? What is the bet? Like, I think Browns fans are asking themselves, we've seen it in Houston to an extent. None of us really, this is what's tricky. None of us watched Houston closely. We all kind of from afar saw Deshaun Watson. Browns could have had him. He's putting up some numbers. Saw him in a playoff game here and there. We never really paid attention to him because he's not leaving Houston. He's a franchise quarterback. <laughs> the guy's never leaving. Why would we even entertain it? And even in the season where, he was off in 21, didn't entertain it. Nobody thought he was really going to get traded during the season. I guess there was some rumblings of it, but it was never Cleveland interested. Then you started to get the vibe in that 22, early portions of 22, that there was interest. Okay, m- moral of the story is no one really considered what does he look like when it all comes together. And I think the second half where he throws for 146, three touchdowns, runs for 31 yards on six carries. That is where we say, oh, okay. So if this guy puts that together for a whole game, you're talking about something around 10 carries, 50 yards, 300 yards passing, four touchdowns. I think what was really great about that second half was not that the Browns didn't – I mean, they ran it fine the second half, and they did some things they do normally, but we actually got a glimpse of like, okay, this is what he looks like, some creative run game. He's delivering downfield third down throws, the ball to uh, David Njoku on second and 18, where he pinpoints a a really funky inverted cover two coverage. He hits the slot fade, a money throw, the the ball that Cooper turns into a a 46-yard touchdown. He puts it right on the money on a third and eight. You know, uh, the, the play action touchdown, which, yes, Cooper was wide open, but Watson hangs in the pocket, does a good job of giving it until the very last second before he delivers it downfield. And he also extended some plays. And, and to your point earlier, Jared, we, you know, the, the first half one, you poke fun at it's hilarious in real time. You're watching it in real time. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, what happened? But then you go back and rewatch it and why I felt compelled to write on it. It's like that guy made some unbelievable escapes in this game of like, I cannot believe he got out of that. And that can be a curse as much as it can be a um a savior at times, right? Because you know, he gets out of these things and does things, maybe two or three other, there's more mobile guys than there used to be five guys in the league can do. And he gets out of those and there's just nobody open downfield. And I'm sure as Jacoby Brissett and, and uh, Kellen Mond and the guys are ribbing him in the, in the, in the quarterback room, watching the film, like laughing at him, (laughs) just throw it away. uh, Ultimately, you know, you don't need to throw it to Conklin, just throw it away. But it was just really like that gift can sometimes be a curse, but you get to see everything, his escapability multiple times. There was another play, Jared, in the first quarter. I'm sure you remember. He was dead to rights, grabbed in the pocket, got out of that yep. one. And then, like, then you in the second half see, oh, in rhythm, delivering the football, strike type of throws, creative run game where you can use his legs for 20-yard chunk run stuff, 
oh, the third and four, we can run a little quick read option. He can make a linebacker who's scraping to fill for his pull read, make him miss and gain five yards and get a first down. That's the stuff that he can do. And if you take that and say, okay, if that guy's comfortable over the portion of a full season, that's where I think Browns fans got their first taste of, okay, this is what it is. Like, this is what it looks like. Now, does, do we see that again in week 18? I don't know, but we'll, we'll be expecting more of that next year. And that is where you can say that's the guy that this is why they risk so much to go get, right? Yeah, and I think that's where all of it, again, it all matters. We're not talking much about the defense, partially because they played Carson Wentz, right? It's so important that we understand the context. And so next week in week 18, um, the, the Steelers have a lot to play for, have a really good defense, and possibly have James Hudson trying to block Cam Hayward and or TJ Watt. Um, that can play a role, but you see a lot of what can make Deshaun Watson elite. But like you said, the blessing and curse, one of the concerns down in Houston, because he has that escapability, because he has that mobility, he tends to hold on to the ball a little long. He has done that for a while. Sometimes his offensive line was terrible. Sometimes it was just okay down in Houston. So there is a little give and take when it comes to Deshaun Watson, but a lot of that becomes, do you take what you take the good and accept that every once in a while, he's just going to scramble around and he's going to lose yardage instead of taking that little check down or whatever it is. So there's a lot of give and take there, but you're exactly right. If that second half to Sean Watson is who you see most of the time next year, well, that is a top 10 quarterback. Let's just be very honest. His, his accuracy, his feel, his movement in the pocket, uh, some of the balls that he's thrown so far this year, while it's been inconsistent, have just been elite throws. Um, you know, there's one, I know you highlighted it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he kind of half rolled out to the right. Um, and just hit, I believe it was Cooper, uh, going away from him right at the sideline. It's a ball that not many quarterbacks can can make. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of excitement there. Um, I do worry that next week, and we'll talk about it a little bit in a little in a little bit. Uh, next week will be a can he do it against the rival when it matters at least to one of the teams, and that's what's going to make it really interesting. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how he plays in. Pit. I mean, it's his first exposure to Pittsburgh, which is a hostile environment baker mayfield never played well in pittsburgh it has not been a place that has been a very kind of quarterbacks at cleveland and b uh, outside of the playoff game but the playoff game was i mean you know browns were on the plus side of the 50 yard line they were up early there was no pressure there's no there were no fans really there were few not 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 a hostile renegade towel swinging pittsburgh environment as you know that is really really tough to play in uh, and especially like we said um, late season variety has not treated Brown's coaches all too well in some, <laughs> some situations too. So listen, we'll take a quick break, our first break, and then we will come back and we got a couple uh, topics to hit on that I think are pretty important. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wrote it up today, Jared. Grant Delpit's playing really well. He's coming on strong um, as we kind of wrap up this conversation around the Commander's win. And this isn't just a one-game sample size thing here with Delpit. It's been over the course of the season, he's just started to really... And I think you would agree with me here. I've read, talked to some people who have had Achilles injuries, and most of them say you don't feel comfortable until about two years removed from that Achilles injury. And I think we're starting to see a really comfortable player. They put him up near the box. They put him deep now. They have a comfortability of putting him single high. He's evolving like crazy. And like I said, I wrote up a film room of Grant Delpit's game Sunday with some sprinkled stuff in from other portions of the year, but he's putting it all together. Sunday was a full display of that seven tackles, four of which are those stop tackle varieties at or near the line of scrimmage. And then the two dynamite interceptions and deep coverage. You're like, okay, this is the guy they drafted in front of Antoine Winfield. I can see the, I can see the skill. It's all adding up. I looked it up today. He's leading the NFL in stop tackles among safeties. He has 28. The next closest is 25. Now, some of that, as you would agree with me, Jared, is you get a hor- <laughs> horrific run defense from the front seven or eight. You typically are going to have to put a single high safety up there uh, like John Johnson and roll Grant down in to the box and make him play a pseudo linebacker. But nonetheless, he's still doing it, and he's doing it well. And it's like, okay, so this guy is going to be at the last year of his contract next year. The question is, the burning question as we're doing these every Tuesday now is, is he a second contract player? And I don't know if you could have said that at the beginning of the year, but I mean, the trend is the trend and he is playing really good football in both phases. And you start to say, I see him getting comfortable doing this again. Yeah, I think I think he's really put himself in position to be one of those in the middle of next year kind of extensions that the Browns tend to do a lot of Conklin. Teller, Betonio, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, have been have been some of those, you know, and it it's really interesting because he you're, he can play single high. They brought him down into the box. He really allows some versatility, whether they move on from John Johnson or not. Um, you know, they allow them to go. Okay, if we find a true free safety that we you know is that is at the right valuation point, we can have him kind of be that strong safety type, and we're not missing out on any physicality or any of that kind of stuff. Or if we find more of a strong safety hybrid that we like a little bit more, we feel good enough about putting him back there kind of at that free safety role. So I think that flexibility will, will do him well, uh, both for the Browns as well as kind of when we're looking at contracts, you know, when you look at guaranteed money or even, you know, average yearly salary, you know, there's 12, 15 type, uh, safeties over 10 million average a year. And, uh, 20 million total guaranteed. It'll be interesting where he falls because most of those players, 30, 34, 28, 27, you know, he's coming up on his free agent year next year. I wonder kind of the big question for me is does Delpit's future or Delpit's contract maybe play a role in someone like Jadavion Clowney? Do they not re-sign Clowney next year for whatever he might end up getting 10, 12 again? Uh, so that they have that money for Delpit because safeties aren't cheap, right? We're not talking about a, a random middle linebacker, slot corner, those kind of things. 
um, because I do think you're exactly right. He's showing you what you thought you could find in, out of LSU. He's going to miss a tackle here and there. He's a little ultra aggressive, but he's the type of player. Uh, we see this a lot in the NBA. You can't just let them go just because they're a little more expensive than you'd like them to be. You can't turn your roster in that way. So he is a player that after a couple games next year, maybe this offseason, but probably more likely after a few games next year, that you just have to get locked up. And then you kind of figure everything else around that with John Johnson, with Jadavian Clowney, with some other guys on that defense. Yeah, I certainly think you're right about holding off, seeing if he continues to play well going into next season. And then you start to really engage in those conversations and try to find a point at which it's good to pay him, extend him, push that money down a little bit, right? Because it's not going to hit and, you know, happen right away. You know, the cap hit that's going to be hard because they're going to get a bunch of cap hits. But I certainly don't think they can let John go or uh, Grant go. And if that means you have to let go of John and find a different route, um, they played DeAnthony Bell a ton this week. I don't know if people talked a lot about that. He basically took over whatever Ronnie Harrison was doing. Yep. Uh, if they're trying to audition him here at the end of the season. So that's certainly noteworthy. Uh, but they also probably think there's a cheap free agent out there at the position that is always sort of floating at safety. There's a lot of value on the free agency market for single high free safeties. Maybe not long-term guys, obviously, but somebody, you know, I keep going back to the one-year deals we've seen for Anthony Harris over the years. Like those are guys that you can get on that market. But I, I certainly think Delpit is a guy who's, you, you know, you're trying to identify young core pieces, it feels like he's the one safety that now, and it's not just because it's default. He's playing really well right. that you would peg him. You know, the corner situation I've talked about, JOK is a guy you hope we're having this exact same conversation about next year as he continues to take strides. Now, JOK's had better long-term sample size, in my opinion, than Grant has because he's been healthier and obviously put it together his rookie year and, and many other pieces. But that's what you're looking for. You need guys on every level. That's what you're hoping to find. And then you supplement them with either early picks or, uh, you know, the cheaper free agent types. We're, we're going to talk about another safety, um, pretty traumatic stuff that happened last night. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it because uh, I think you, at this point, it's six o'clock on Tuesday night. You probably, you probably have all heard about it. Um, in some in some ways, but I think there are smarter people that have that have more, uh, I guess, experience here that are talking about this everywhere. And I don't think that our opinion is going to sway anybody's thought one way or the other. I mean, it was just it was jar it was jarring to see. I think everybody would agree that it was something you've never seen before. I I think that this isn't the same thing, Jared, but in a similar way of like people had never seen anything like it. Now there have been issues incidences of players getting hit and going into a sort of cardiac arrest. There was a hockey player about, I think it was 1998. I saw had that issue. Then obviously was it the Loyola Marymount kid that collapsed on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm not perfect on these, but this is not unheard of, but it's very much, we haven't seen a lot of it in the last 20 years. I think the only other time I can recall people being like, you know, what on earth was the Kevin Ware leg snap bone exposure mm -hmm. in the final four? that people were really like ghastly Louis, about. Louisville, I think. Yeah, it was, cool. it was, it was a Louisville uh, player. And then like, um, you know, I, 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 the thing that's, the thing that's crazy to me is what's going on around it. Obviously we're hoping that Hamlin full recovery, it would be so awesome for him to wake up and come back to and see all these donations that are up over 4 million for his charity. And there's a lot of great things going on. I think the thing that's kind of interesting to me, Jared, is the NFL response to it somehow it's just how things get taken and they get run with like 
So people are really upset last night that they were, again, that, that this was reported or said, and it just it runs like wildfire, that the NFL told the teams they had five minutes to get stretched and get going again. And then the NFL comes out and says, well, we didn't say that. I don't know where that came from. And then all of a sudden people think the NFL is the enemy. And <laughs> I actually thought, you know, based on this could be anything. It could have been that the standard protocol for these, because we've seen things in a small, like similar, like there've been paralysis on the, like Shazier in Cincinnati, right? Wasn't that in Cincinnati too? When Shazier oh, had the, I think so. The, yeah. The neck, and we saw the Tua thing earlier in the Cincinnati has got a bad history of this, I guess. But like um, there have been traumatic, like he's not moving limbs. He could be really hurt. I mean, the Tua thing was jarring. The fingers locked, like all of that was very scary. This was very scary. Now, I think on the field, now, Jared, you might have more experience than I, but CPR, the actual application of CPR is jarring to see. Breaking people, you're basically breaking you're, ribs. Yeah. It's it's nasty. And, and, and now those guys on the field saw that this guy's not, he, he, they, they probably thought he's dead. Like they really thought he was dead. Then I get it. Like why all those guys were looking like that. They looked like they'd seen a ghost. Like they were traumatized but the nfl offices probably didn't have the vibe yet maybe that five minute thing gets reported i just i think the nfl handled it well is my point they yeah. they kind of they kind of let it let the teams talk to them about their feelings and stop the people on the side like the for for an organization that has gotten so much flack about the handling of concussions for their people and justifiably so right it's not like they've gotten unwarranted issue uh you know uh, flack for the concussion handling <laughs> But to have people on site, team doctors, both sides, boom, on the field, and they brought this young man back to life and saved him, essentially, from what we're reading. And they were able to get him to the hospital, get him everywhere he's supposed to go so hyper-efficiently, I think, and then cancel the game, as they should have done. I thought they handled it really well. And I thought they also you know, said today they're not going to replay it this week. They're still handling it really well. So I think the NFL got a lot of initial, like, I can't believe these guys, blah. I, and like, where does the league go from here type? Like, like, what do they do? This is a, this is a, a one in a billion that we've seen. Jared football has been going on forever. We've never seen anything at the NFL scale quite like this. And I don't think it means that the NFL is going to alter who it is or what it is. It's going to be the same league next week, but they're doing the right thing and letting this Hamlin situation play out, giving the two teams the time to get themselves together again. And they also deserve, I think they do deserve credit for how it was handled and the procedures and practices in place on the field that night, because they say they really did save him, man. They really did. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Uh, ESPN has doubled down that uh, they were very clearly were only communicating to because um, Joe Buck said four different times, they're going to have five minutes. The NFL is giving him five minutes. He said that four different times, and that was direct communication, again, according to ESPN, from the NFL about what was going to happen. I think you're right in that there's no exactly right way to do it. Um, and in the end, the end result was right, right? This They, they got it right in the end, and that's really what matters um, is that they got it right in the end, and they were there for this young man. Um, you know, I'll just be honest, there are – Obviously, I'm a little emotional of a guy just in general. Um, some of that, the the two a hit, I remember I immediately turned the TV off. Uh, last night, I saw it happen and immediately turned the TV off. I I knew it wasn't good, right? I, I As soon as I saw there was a trainer who got to him, 
and then sprinted away from him. That never happens. Like I knew immediately something was just horrible and I didn't want to watch it live. I wanted to kind of keep up on it through kind of social media. So I wasn't watching it. It's some of the stuff that makes it a little difficult at times to watch sports, right? Like we know it's a violent game. We know it, but these things, when you see them happen live and when you see the players faces and the reactions, you know, literally they were watching someone they knew and they, you know, they talk about family who was not alive in front of them for minutes at a time. Um, and it is a violent thing to do CPR on somebody um, that along with some stuff when it comes to uh, uh, to uh, when somebody has an opiate epidemic or opiate overdose, I'd never wish on anybody to experience having to do either of those things, which I've yeah. been a part of both. Um, it, it jars you in such a way, but as we move forward, we don't know how the NFL is going to move forward, right? That's, that's really the the truth of the matter. Whether we're talking about the number one seed, uh, for the playoffs, we're talking about fantasy football, we're talking about whatever, we don't know how things are going to move forward, but we know in the end, uh, at least as of now, he is, he is in critical condition, uh, down in UC, um, at their medical center down there. Um, the game has been, uh, suspended is what the current, uh, or postponed. I forget which word they're using right now and is not going to be played this week. Overall, the NFL got it right. Do we have to argue the semantics of, did they get forced into it because the coaches, uh, some people are saying Zach Taylor went over to Sean McDermott. Like, I don't care what the NFL says. We're not going to play the players, whatever. It doesn't matter. They got it right. And so that's what really, really matters. Uh, and you're, you're right. There are so many smarter people than us. So many uh, players who have played in the NFL that are talking about it today. Um, I think it's just jarring because, you know, much like people would, I would just be honest, people talk about politics in this way. Some of the other stuff, racial injustice, sports are an escape. It's why people are so passionate about them. If their life is a struggle or difficult, sports are supposed to be fun and they need their teams to win and they need to pretend like they're superheroes out there. So superheroes are supposed to be perfect, do everything right. And when these kind of things happen, unfortunately, it brings us back to the the imperfections of our reality and people need to turn back to the things that really matter, their families, their spiritual support systems, you know, whatever it is their belief systems are, those are the things that really matter. Unfortunately, many people, including myself at times, have have made sports, has made players kind of a substitute for that. Um, and it's hard to to see this kind of thing happen. That's well said, man. It's well said. We are obviously pulling for uh, him as well as everybody else that he can that he can come through and we're kind of eagerly waiting for some good news uh, hopefully fingers crossed and you know however you send positive vibes or prayers continue to do that because uh, I think they'll need they need all of it there's been no update yet and that's that's a bit worrisome but uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll uh, hope for the best there we're going to take our last break and then come back and talk about the Steelers game coming up uh, this week we'll be right back okay as we close Jared I want to talk about uh, kind of ranking these things, what matters most to you in week 18. Okay. <laughs> so there's three things that stand out to me on the line. Obviously first is, um, you know, the statistical stuff is up there, right? Nick Chubb still not a great opportunity here, but if he goes crazy, we've seen crazy games. He's kind of due for a crazy game where he runs for 250. He could get the rushing title. He's down 140 right now. I think the Raiders close with the chiefs. So it's not given that Josh Jacobs will go crazy, 
uh, or anything. So if Nick were to maybe rush for close to 200, he could, he could, he could win that title the last week of the year. Donovan Peoples Jones is chasing a thousand yards. He needs a huge day. And then there's some other like miles Garrett's two and a half sacks back of the NFL lead. And then, um, I think Amari Cooper's close to topping his single season yardage uh, mark too. So there's some guys who are playing for things here. Statistically, the other two things that I think are uh, interesting is closing five and two, um, which is important. Uh, I don't think that you can always say that seasons carry over to the next one, but I do think that this one has a chance to talk about culture change. And why I say that is because your if your exposure to Deshaun Watson as we go, you know, we win four of those six games and then we win five over our last seven if you include the tampa bay game closing five and two is a nice start for a culture turn right for we started winning we got maybe 30 to 35 of these guys on the roster we'll be back next year that's a huge nucleus so five and two the other piece is four and two in the division first time they've done that since uh, i think in the the 90s uh, the the belichick teams in the mid 90s so going four and two in the division is on the line and then lastly is ending Mike Tomlin's every single year he's been the head coach of the Steelers. He's had a winning record. So you have a chance to end his winning record streak. So I'm looking at kind of you ranking for me those four for you in terms of what you would like the most out of uh, out of this last game. Because we we think they're going to take it serious. I mean, I have every belief they're going to take it very serious. I, I don't know what's up with Denzel and Conklin injuries at this point. We'll see. But it seems like most guys, Cooper, who's fighting through injuries and Chubb, they're going to play. So um, it should be interesting. I'm curious which of those four you're most, uh, com- you know, compelled by. You know, I'm most compelled by Mike Tomlin not having a winning season like that. <laughs> that's such a, I mean, it's 15 freaking years, right? Like Amazing. he's, he's had a non-losing season with Duck Hodges. You know, there's just so with Mason Rudolph, the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, you know, for, for them to win that game. And I think even from a narrative perspective, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't have to look good for the narrative to be he beat the Steelers, Mike Tomlin's, blah, 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 you know, all of that kind of stuff. There's just some things to that that I think build the confidence. It also pushes, you know, the Steelers into the basement, the Browns into third place. There's just a little bit to that, that that it just means they won the game. Selfishly, I also want them to win the game. So that's the last thing I have to talk about in this season is, you know, they, they lost uh, to a good Bengals team that made the playoffs possibly winning the division. They, um, you know, obviously they lost the stupid storm game uh, to new Orleans, but they won these four, including against the Steelers, including against Washington, two teams that were still vying for the playoffs at that time. Like that win means kind of the most to me from a multitude of ways after that's really just about Watson. I don't, I mean, it'd be, I don't really want to run Nick Chubb into the ground. I don't really care if Donovan Peoples-Jones gets 1,000 yards. I actually don't want him to. I want him to have less uh, leverage when it comes to his contract. And Miles Garrett getting sacks is, is Miles Garrett getting sacks. It is what it is. Um, so for me, those things, they kind of are minimal. Uh, and selfishly, I want DPJ to be signing this offseason uh, and having a 1,000-yard season on your record along with Cooper having it. Um just gives him a little bit more leverage that I don't want him to have. So I'm really on, let's get Tomlin that loss and let's have Watson again. I don't, he doesn't need to throw for 296 and three or four touchdowns, but get me 250, no interceptions. Give me 30, 40 yards of rushing. Give me two touchdowns uh, and give me a victory and I will be happy. 
yeah, like you, the stats come last. I just think it's an interesting little storyline floating out there. Uh, maybe I'm not quite as mm-hmm. into burning down Donovan Peoples-Jones contract negotiations as you <laughs> are, but nonetheless, I think you're right about that. Um, yeah, first would be five and two. I want him to start feeling winning. I want him to start getting the confidence that comes with Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. Like that's the stuff that I want them to carry over. Four and two into the division is next to me um, because that is a uh, we can win here. Look what we did last year in the midst of a tough season. We went four and two in the division. We can carry that into the next year. We belong at the top of this thing. And then lastly, I mean, I just really like Mike Tomlin, which is probably a tough thing for some people to hear. I don't. I don't know what's not to like about Mike Tomlin. Like. He gets the most out of his guys. He he is always bluntly honest. Like I just think he's a great coach, and I would like to end the streak. I really I, just would like the Pittsburgh fans to stop talking about it. That's kind of yeah. The biggest I th- I think Tomlin is similar to kind of the JJ Watt and kind of the cheesiness factor. Like it doesn't feel real, yeah. Yeah. even though I know it is. But it just always feels like he's his cadence and his his words are just perfect. Like they just like, he just says basically the right things, but it's honest. It's truthful. It's all that. It just feels too perfect. Like it feels again, like JJ Watt, the cheese fact, Russell Wilson, the cheese factory just feels a little strong there. Like I don't need that much Gouda uh, coming from a coach. And, and honestly, Steelers fans, you know, they, they, they are what they are very supportive during uh, before when the Browns lost their team, and before the return, but since then, not really a big fan. Not really a big fan, and we'll hope that they end up getting their playoff hopes just ripped away from them, because that would obviously be the sweetest thing of all, is to end the Pittsburgh Steelers' playoff chances. Uh, and, and especially if, like, the best would be if the two yeah. other things go their direction, and they're, like, thinking, yeah, that'd be just great. That would that'd be, be a, like, those other two games launch. are blowouts, right? Yeah. Like, those yeah. are blowout games. You know by the third quarter, if the Steelers win, they're making the playoffs, and the Browns just, I don't care how they win, they just rip it from them. Yeah, that'd yeah. be absolutely that, perfect. This I, I really feels very do. vengeful. It does, and I do, I do think it would be a launch for them, like a, a huge moment in – starting to get this whole thing right uh, there's just there's more on the line than you would think in this week week 18 game so i wanted to uh, hash that out so listen there's a huge uh support system hopefully um you know s- surrounding uh, mar hamlin and, and all of that and we wanted to hit on that so obviously jared and i send nothing but positive vibes that direction um and 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 then you know looking forward to this game week 18 Hopefully the Browns can um, play a role of spoiler that they haven't ever really played before. They got to do it to Washington. Maybe they can do it two weeks in a row with Pittsburgh here. That'd be pretty sweet. So Jared, thanks for stopping by, man. Uh, As usual, we appreciate you, buddy, uh, a ton. and, uh, And thanks for your insights. Absolutely, brother. It's always good to talk to you. Enjoy your evening. Okay, that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Jared for stopping by. Thanks to you for being here. Continue to check out the OBR. We've had a ton of film room content, ton of uh, PFF grade analysis, uh, you know, looking forward to the offseason contracts and restructures and all that's a nonstop machine of content over there. And then make sure you check out Jared over at dogs by nature. They got great stuff every single day uh, covering the Browns in a very similar fashion. So check out Jared's work and um, listen, I appreciate you guys stopping by being patient on today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Probably should be back uh, at some point with Jordan Zerm over the next few days. We'll get with him and maybe catch John Colosimo's. I know I've said that, but John was talking to me about coming back on this week. So hopefully we can get that set up. But uh, like I said, uh, when those traumatic things happen, um, you start to get perspective on sports again. And hopefully we've been reminded on the necessary perspective of these things and how grateful we are to either talk about it or be involved with it in some way. And 
um, and enjoy it. So, you know, hug your, hug your loved ones a little tighter because uh, you never know. You really never know with anything in life. But like I said, guys, appreciate you supporting this pod, stopping by, being here. Have a great Tuesday or Wednesday whenever you listen to this. And go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.